I am unashamed. What about you? Yeah, so Jace, people are making fake cologne with your picture on it. Is that what uh, I'm uh, understanding? Buddy, I'm, I mean, Adam LaRose, the baseball player, he sends me a picture. It's me. It says Jace Robertson, and it's like, I forgot the name of it, but I don't want to. I guess advertise it. Downrange or something. Cologne <laughs> for men. I was thinking like swamp water. He's like, my, my are you <laughs> selling cologne? I went, no, but I will look into this. <laughs> I have to call a lawyer. Well, I'm not sure so, if it would be a brilliant marketing strategy because it's like who could need it more than you? So join the people that need it. Or if it's terrible because they're like, well, this guy, he's no Johnny Depp, you know. I'm stinky and dirty. A bigger percentage of the time than I am. I've never used cologne in my life. I've never put any on. But if I saw your face on a bottle of cologne, the very first thing I would want to do, I want to see what that's going to smell like. See? Because, that's I mean, that's... Is. saying it's going to be a brilliant yeah. marketing. So maybe uh, instead of the so. fake stuff that's out there, you need to actually look into that. You and Missy need well, to come I'm up I'm going to look it. into it and shut it down. <laughs> so, oh, I what's wrong with our cut? society? Yeah. People you just... won't shut it down. They had me selling marijuana oil. <laughs> now, here we go. I We're got a hold of a local lawyer at the Park Expo. Is there any way to stop that from people saying that I'm this, I'm selling marijuana all? He said, no. <laughs> Just let it ride. Isn't that fraud? He said, how'd you know about it? I said, somebody told me about it. I don't know. Well, it was on the internet. Yeah. I like it around here. The, our lawyers are ex-farmer, the ex-farmer lawyer. Do you notice that? Did you no, pick that up? that's great. Yeah. So we, we're, we're so all the, into so rebranding ourselves. The lesson yeah. learned from me is it could be worse. It's cologne. <laughs> It's yeah. better than CBD I mean, oil. Yeah. yeah. So we got Larry Bowles on today. Larry, welcome back Thank to you. Unashamed. It's, it's great. It's always a pleasure here. to have you in the uh, in the lair. This time you brought your lovely wife. I did. Kathy's right over which there. Which is awesome. Oh, she yeah. gets to see this uh, this place. Dad, I wanted to start out by mentioning this is a huge week because this is book release week, mm. which is big. So show them your book, Dad. We've talked about the book quite a bit. And, you know, just to prove, Dad, that the book – is relevant in our culture. They're still they round two after Rogan this week. What's happened mm -hmm. is now the left wingers have gone back, started listening to more episodes. So they're you know a guy that's on air. I mean we do this you know a few hours a week. Yeah. He's on three hours a day, five days a week. Man. So fifteen hours of talking, you're going to say some things that people can take the wrong way. Right. And so now yeah. I've noticed they've doubled down. I noticed the Obamas um, bailed on him today off of Spotify. So like it just rages on the idea that I mean they're going to try to cancel just because he's a uh, juggernaut, you yeah. know. And he's really a. Jay's talked about him on a couple of podcasts ago. He he's not a right winger, right. and he's not even a far left. He's just kind of a middle of the road person, right. you know. But at the same time, boy, when they get after you, I mean, mm. they're after. So, Dad, well, to your point, of, uh, uh, my point, I make one point. It's uh, it's not that lengthy. It's pretty short. Paul was uh, the apostle. Paul was writing about how how, how one uh, looks and uh, behaves based on his behavior. So he came up with two groups of people on planet Earth at the time this was written about 2,000 years ago, mid, mid first century. Uh, the acts of the, here's one group of individuals on planet Earth. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So this is easy to spot. Look up whatever culture you live in, whatever date. Top of the list, 
it's always there, sexual immorality, the Corinthian letter where we're, we're discussing those matters, impurity, the Corinthian letter, and debauchery, the Corinthian letter is where we are, but I'm just showing you two groups of people on planet Earth, then and now, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, <clears throat> selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I, as I did before, those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's one group. The other group is the saved, the, the disciples of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Instead of immorality, there's love there. Joy. Instead of hatred, there's joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's why love is a fulfillment of the law. Therefore, the book shows you the two groups. Uncanceled, finding meaning and peace in a culture of accusations. It was there 2,000 years ago. Heavy. Yeah. Look what they did to the Savior of the world. Shame and condemnation. So primarily written to the saved with the hope that the people who go around and judging others pass judgment on their neighbor would in fact figure out that there is a gigantic love deficit going on in these United States of America. And the same things were going on 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed except Jesus is being preached then and now. So, and I think your point's been that's come across well because you know last week Whoopi Goldberg was suspended from the View. So I'm saying is it doesn't matter whether you're left, right, no, middle, no, it doesn't matter. The idea of cancel culture eventually comes for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean that's the concept. It eats its own, you know. People. And the point is, we don't hate these people. The Apostle Paul just gave you the groups, the ones without Jesus and the Spirit of God and the ones with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in them that was given when they obeyed the gospel. He just gives you an update. Right. So uh, since we live in the Spirit, let us keep live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Now check this out. Provoking and envying each other. Well, that's the council culture. They provoke, they, 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 they take it to the streets. They put it on the, in their hearts and minds of others, and they form factions. And well, it seems to me they just want to— Nothing has they, changed. They don't—it's an attack on speech. It, they don't want you to speak. I mean, you think about it, you read the book of Acts. What was the whole problem? What, what got them into trouble? They wanted them to stop speaking yeah. about Jesus. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to us— that's that's why sometimes I guess you're right. I never thought about that. That was cancel culture even back then. The idea was you got to shut them up. Oh, yeah. you know, if you shut up, you probably won't be canceled. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. If you're just you know, when you think about it, when when your belief system is not centered in truth, mm -hmm. then you're constantly having to defend that. Right. Because yep. it's you've got to defend it because it'll fall apart if you don't. Right. And when you can't defend it, you begin to attack 
those that, that center on truth. Well, we're always talking about defending the truth. Well, the truth is kind of like the Word of God. Uh, I think it was Spurgeon said, you know, that the Word of God is a little bit like a lion. You know, a lion, you don't have to defend a lion. You open the cage, the lion's going to defend itself, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, truth does not have to be defended because right. everything else is an untruth. That's true. And so anything I set up as, as a truth in my life that's not founded at Christ is going to fall apart. Right. So if I build a, a belief system in some bad theology, mm-hmm. it's ultimately going to fall apart right. because it goes from bad to worse. And imagine it's built <clears throat> on pop culture right. or whatever, whatever these temporary stands are right. that make you popular in the moment. I mean, right. I mean, it's it's not hard to huff and puff and blow that house down, right? No. <laughs> and that's what's happening. Yeah. That's, what that's, comes out of yeah. it is the mindset of, well, let's see, these Bible thumpers, I, I, I want to love Jesus but I have to hate him. And the reason they say that is their ideology. Right. Right. It does not, it does not allow a belief in a supreme being that became flesh, died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead. They just, I've, uh, I've kind of, it's like this. It's like, yeah, it's funny dad, because I've marveled, I've been watching that you've done a lot of, to press a lot of podcasts, a lot of oh, people's yeah. shows the last couple of weeks about the book. I got about five lined up today. I know. And so <laughs> I've been chuckling though, because you know, you're, and that's the power of this book, by the way, by coming at it from biblical truth, it's been interesting watching because you're talking to most of the people that are in on the political spectrum, <clears throat> trying to, you know, come up with solutions left and right. Yeah. And it's really interesting because when dad comes in, some of them, a few of them, you know, that understand it, but some of them that don't, and they have a hard time wrapping their mind around just some of the simple ways, you know, yeah. that he's put in the book to deal with. Somehow it. they think that if, if it's, it's a political fix and they're saying if we can just fix it, we can fix it politically not spiritually. We don't need God for that. So we're going to fix it. But the truth sets them free from uh, Satan. Mm-hmm. The truth sets you free from sin. The truth sets you free from guilt. The truth sets you free from law. Right. And the truth sets you free from the grave. Well, you know, that's a lot of freeing going on there. That's right. If you just look into it, at least... They can take everything away from us, Al, but they can't take away our hope. That's exactly right. So let me tell folks where to get it. Do you have something else to add to it? Well, I was just going to say when when Larry Larry preached yesterday, he had a really, really good point about, because some things in the Bible are hard to understand. Where was that, Second Peter 3? <laughs> yeah, uh, 3.16. But your point yeah. was you have Christ as the foundation or the filter to, right. to have these. And it made me think when, when Phil said that about, People, they'll they'll come up with an accusation and counsel you before you tell them where to go. When that letter to the Colossians, when Jesus, I mean, when Paul wrote about Jesus as the image of the God, uh, image of the invisible God, by Him, things were created on heaven and earth. You know, seventeen, He's before all things. In Him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. I mean, that's who we represent. He's running things. God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things on earth uh, or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So he gives this image of who Jesus is. And then it gets to us and it says once 
You were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has brought you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy without blemish. And then it has this phrase and free from accusation. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, this is the gospel you heard and there's been proclaimed, which to my point, we proclaim Jesus and people try to stop that from happening. But it's because of God's plan and who, who he is and the peace that can happen through that experience with Jesus. That's right. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> which is powerful. So let me tell you how to get it. So a lot of you have already ordered or pre-ordered. And of course, you know, now that it's released, you'll be getting those. Uh, Nick, who's a long-term listener up in Pennsylvania, sent me a picture of him holding the book. And he said, he read it in like two days and he was like, you know, I, I didn't think one could be better than theft. That's his favorite book. He said, but yep. this one's there. And I said, look, it's my, yeah, I think it's my favorite one so far. So it's a great book. You can go to Amazon, all the big booksellers to get it. If you haven't gotten one yet, this is a very important week for us to get it because it pushes dad up the bestseller list. Talkshop.live still has some signed copies. So if you want to go there to get one there. And also uh, Blaze has done a shirt. Dad, you hadn't seen this yet. Well, you know. Uh, Uncanceled cool. t-shirt uh, with Colossians 2, 13 and 14, the scripture reference there on it. So uh, you can get this in mugs also if you go to fillmerch.com. So if you want to get a, a mug or a shirt to be able to show folks that you got it, you can do that too. So just want to encourage you guys to do that. This is the perfect week. You'll see Dad all over the place. He's been doing a lot of media, so... <laughs> <laughs> you you about ready for the week to be over? <laughs> I really am. Uh, I mean, you know, we don't. At least we don't have to go to New York like we used to. So you could do it off going to New exactly. York, which is which is a little bit better. So, all right, well, let's take a break. So, Dad, what's ironic is with your book releasing, you've probably spent more time on the internet this last week than you have in years. That is correct. Because all of your interviews now have been done via the internet and you know Zoom and all these different things because people aren't traveling, which the good thing is you've gotten to stay at home. The bad news is you've been on the internet a lot, which I know you're not exactly comfortable with, but you're getting the message out, right? You thought you were out and they pulled you back <laughs> got in. got sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for you, to make sure and protect you, uh, one of our sponsors is a, is a group called Express VPN. And what they do is they provide a virtual private network that is going to help protect your phone, computer, whatever your internet connection is routed to. So you're going to have secure encrypted server because as we've talked about before on the podcast, anytime you're there, you're out there on the net for whatever reason, there are people trying to get in and steal whatever they can from you, whether it's information, you know, things that are on your computer. So you want to be able to check these guys out, Express VPN. And it's really whenever you go online, with a single click of the button, they're going to stop others from getting a free license to peek over your shoulder and check out everything that you're looking at. So expressvpn.com slash unashamed is what you're going to do. If you go there today, you're going to get three months for free. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash unashamed to get three months free with a one-year package. Check them out. So, Larry, uh, anytime uh, you're in town, it's, uh, it's why we always love having you preach, and we always love you having on the show. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your sermon yesterday uh, at WFR, because 
you came and what I love about you, Larry, is that wherever we are, you're just like, yeah, I'll plug in and preach, you know, which says now, a lot. Look, that, you know. This is the preacher coming out of now. I've noticed a pattern when him and Mike get to a difficult <laughs> part of scripture. Had, when's Larry? They, they Larry call coming. you and say, hey, hey, Larry. Been a while. Uh, when when I did Romans seven, Mike Calden said, "You know, me and Al didn't really want to go there." So, that, and so then I tell him the date that I'm coming, and Mike calls me back and said, "Hey, Larry, guess which chapter you drew, partner? Yeah. You know." And so, and hey, he just I'm stepped right surprised. in, which is full around. They're gonna hire now, you. It, and that's the thing about First Corinthians is it's full of these mud holes, I guess, you know, and we, we come to these, you know, you know, like the very first verse of chapter seven, it's, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's where it begins, you know. <laughs> when that's you know, your like, lead, get ready, oh, right? Yeah, exactly. People and who so, marry will face many troubles in this that's life. That's exactly, I'm trying yeah. to spare you this. Yeah, I'm trying to well, save you a lot of pain. And I mean, and so we're reading all of our, our things into this, but we treat these areas in First Corinthians like like a sleeping pit bull in somebody's front yard is like I see you, but I'm going over here to peace and joy and love, and that's I just don't need all of that. Well, these mud holes or these theological pit bulls are there for a reason, and that is to give us insight into why. I mean, we're always so worried about what it says and what it means about me, you know. And and that's the thing about the Bible is it's not about you. Right. These yeah. words are for you. They've been preserved for you. They're written to you, but they're not about you. Right. Uh, yeah. And so as we look at what Paul is writing and the words that he's using, the main things that he's making reference to that we just want to avoid, those are really where we find, uh, I guess, meaning in and draw parallels into our own lives because we see those very same issues. And oh, so no all doubt. of these hot-button issues today that the, this book is about and addressing and trying to make everything you just listed that we know is wrong and obvious, the acts of the sinful nature, we're trying to make that right. So they're all defending that. Well, that's exactly what the Corinthians are doing, and they'll use any logic to get that done. They want to justify their behaviors before God. Right. They care more about you know being justified before God and being right in what they're doing than they do about Jesus. Mm. Well, yeah. so so we talked about before. Um, I first met you, we first met you, we're connected through One Kingdom, yeah. which is onekingdom.org if you want to see more about his work and other stuff we're doing. And and you were connected to the work in Athens, right? Uh, working with Muslim immigrants right. or, or, or yeah. getting refugees. Yeah, that's there. where we were, I guess the last time I saw you. Yeah, four months was ago you the, were there the with airport, us. Yeah, yeah, in Greece. That's what hit me yesterday when I heard you, because I was coming yeah. back from Tennessee, so I was listening online. And I told you before we started, I thought it was top five dissertations I've oh. ever heard on anything. <laughs> it was amazing. And, uh, look, I sent Missy a text, and I said, you need to stop what you're doing, because they were meeting uh, with our two sons. And I said, and listen to Larry's presentation. And she's like, oh, I will. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I was like, if I was a woman, <laughs> yeah. I would run out the building, perhaps through the wall, oh. and just scream and say, Yes! Yeah. And so after she listened to it, she shared my enthusiasm. But that's Good. what came out to me because I think a lot of people, when you get to the later verses in Corinthians, they're like, 
well, why does why does Paul disapprove of women or demean right. women? Right. And I thought your first thirty minutes was more histor- historical, and it's, uh, it's the context. It, it's the yeah. context. But it would take a man. Here's what hit me, and why I'm bringing this up, because when I was over there, I thought, why is Larry here? Because I thought, he's from Oklahoma, he's kind of a country boy, so I can do this. I was thinking, well, he's over there. When I got over there, there's what, how many people in that city? Uh, six, About six million. Six million in a place that should be... 156 square miles. Yeah, wow. it, 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 it's just... <laughs> to say that I was... Yeah, Dad and I have seen it too, yeah. To be claustrophobic is yeah. an understatement. Yeah. I, I felt like a trout yeah. rat. Just, yeah. I just like... Uh, however... Because of the refugee angle and, and what God, you know, led you yeah. in the ministry over there, I thought, I mean, this is brilliant. And everybody talks about a war on terrorism and different things you can do. Well, this is really how you change hearts and change yeah. countries through the yeah. gospel of Jesus. They come over broken, glad to be alive. I noticed right. every story they had a near-death experience just to get out of these countries that were suppressing them just as a human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everybody was running for their lives out of the Middle East, Northern Africa. 80% of them come right through Athens. It's kind of like standing in a doorway in all these countries. I mean, we've encountered people from 22 different Muslim countries that we couldn't get into, but the Lord's just bringing them to us through the door. And so we're we're just standing there waiting on them. I got up via an interpreter and spoke to, I guess they call themselves Persians, but Iranians and that. That area. Christ love Persian church right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you met. And uh, it was just surreal because I thought, this is this is spiritual warfare. I mean, the front line. Yeah. Because really when is. you think about what Jesus did with just a few chosen, a few women along that grew to what? In Acts 1, 120. Yeah. You just look. It changed the whole world. Yeah. And I'm like. Jesus inside of them, because now I, I feel like they're fearless. Once once I, you get to know any person yeah. who has committed to Jesus and is led by the Spirit, but in a in such a volatile region of, yeah. of the country with plans to go back and share yeah. in creative ways to their country at the risk of their own life, I don't know. It just sends a shiver yeah. down your back. But it hit me when you were speaking yesterday. I was like, yep. That's usually how God works. He takes the last person you would think of, yeah. a firefighter from Oklahoma, to go over there and figure out the history, and because uh, you've been going over there for 10 years. Yeah. And now he got up and made complete sense of 1 Corinthians, because yeah. I was always confused about yeah. some of the issues, but it so, made perfect sense to God me. can speak through Balaam's donkey, he can speak through <laughs> retired fireman. So you just don't listen actually, to the donkey, you listen for what the Lord is saying. I've actually saying. used that but same thing about myself. But you mentioned something really cool, is that uh, how the kingdom of God works. We're always trying to just make these massive changes in societies by this broadcast message, and all of that has an effect. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's like Luke 8, it's the parable of the sower. We're just slinging it with both hands. But the kingdom of God is is a turnstile. You know, Jesus yeah. talked about this broad road that leads to destruction. Man, they're just going down there. But there's this narrow road, and Jesus says, I am that gate. And the yeah. kingdom of God multiplies one person, one heart yeah. at a time. Well, that was Jesus' whole ministry. Hey, yeah, one conversation does, after another. That's why love, joy coming forth from the spirit inside human being. 
peace, patience. Yeah. Patience. Exactly. You know, we, we want things to happen. Oh, I yeah, right now. We want, we're standing in front of a microwave making instant coffee going, come on. You know, I mean, yeah. we want it like. <laughs> These like, people yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, and we don't, we don't know how to, to wait on, on Christ because yeah. apart yeah. from him, we can't do anything. And anything I do in the power of the flesh only strengthens the flesh. So I don't yeah. think yeah. I've ever asked you this, but <clears throat> was, so when you, You've been there, been going there ten years. Yeah, we're in our eleventh. So, so, where was this? Uh, was this Exodus? Did that happen after? Like all this influx of people? Is it, that why you went, or was there? What was the original reason for okay. this place? Because I don't think I've ever asked you this the origin. Old, that, yeah, we ask ourselves. We're standing in Athens, going, "Really, Lord, this <laughs> well, is why? I mean, why? why? Complete why sacrifice. Oh, yeah, it's not. For it's him. not that Athens I, is I know where the we want to be. He's yeah. going to tell, but I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, there's absolutely zero. You get out of that. I mean, it was. It's a complete. You can tell the story, which is a cool story. But it, it, it this began about 2009, and really, really, really began to ramp up uh, in 2011, 2012. We went in 2012 to visit somebody that was in that ministry, and we got there, and we went, "Wow, this is Jesus is doing his thing." right here and this is where we you know need to be francis chan made a point he's like everybody's like standing around a pond and they're all fishing and the lines are all getting tangled and everything and then somebody catches one fish and everybody goes to that guy <laughs> man what bait are you using i want to know what the formula and I is put my hook right where you yeah. just got that and francis fish. is like no i'm gonna go to another pond you know where where there's plenty of fish right. and that sort of thing so we kind of took that idea and I mean, we got over there, and we evangelism is kind of where where we began. But we didn't pursue anybody. We just dealt with those that Jesus was bringing in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so we adopted this phrase that we're looking for those who are looking for Jesus. Right. And eighty, ninety percent of them, he, Jesus came to seek and to save mm-hmm. the lost. Guess what? He's still doing, seeking. And saving. He had already yeah. found them. They're coming to me to find out more about Jesus because you, you they've did, already had this. You did not choose me. Yeah. But I chose you. Exactly. To go and bear fruit, fruit of the last. Yeah. Then you get whatever you want. Exactly. Hang on, let's take another break. So I've mentioned this a lot on the podcast. Lisa and I are heavily involved in the pro-life movement. Which, you know, I think, Jace, has even extended, I would say pro-life movement is also pro-adoption movement. Because to Lisa's point, if you're going to save a lot of babies, you're going to have to have people that are willing to step in the gap and adopt babies. Because they come in situations where people can't handle them. And so this is this is huge for us. It's a huge, uh, important uh, movement in our nation in, in the pro-life movement. And one of the sponsors for our podcast, 40 Days for Life, has come up with a book that I'm holding here. That is called What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. Because what happens is a lot of times people struggle with how do I debate someone that says, we know it's a person's body, they should be able to make the choice, you know, and so all the arguments that have been laid out there in the media, and some some people struggle with what to say. So this book helps you to be able to do that. These people are the real deal. They're on the front lines. What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. Go to Amazon, Amazon.com, and get it there. Or you can go directly to 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com. 
trust me, you want to be involved with these people and find out how you can help. Well, yeah. Well, you can tell your tell how y'all okay. y'all got started. So we, yeah, we get there, and so the refugee crisis, as it came to be known, it's always been a crisis since about two thousand nine. But I think it, you know, in in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, we had a million refugees cross the island of just Lesbos. So there's three primary in, entry islands: Lesbos and Samos and Kos, and and so the, all of these islands are just less than a mile off the Greek. I mean, off the Turkish coast, and so anything that'll float. And, I mean, it's just been one of the deadliest places in the world. You know, three, 4,000 people drown, and these are people that never been in a body of water, and they'll get hooked up with these smugglers, and smugglers will put 30 of them in a, in a three-meter raft and just set them adrift, you know. And it's just, it's, it was crazy. Uh, the cell phone age hit. And they somebody makes it through, and they get on, and they call back home and say, "Hey, man, we're we made it. Come on, and we so made it. <laughs> it." It just began to ramp up and that sort of thing. Yeah, no. um, and and so anyway, it uh, there was a, a a picture that finally hit the media, and it was a little Syrian boy, two year old Syrian boy that drowned and washed up on the shore. Uh, and you know, it 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 hit the AP wire. It hit the news. Yep. It it and now. All this had been going on for all these years, and now it was a crisis. Right. And so now there's people parachuting in, humanitarian groups and all this coming from everywhere. And they were there about a year and like, this is hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's really hard place. It's, it's a horrible environment to do ministry, which kind of – it rang true in my heart when we're in First Corinthians. Paul's like, "This is hard." <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But the thing that was encouraging to me in First Corinthians, well, I, I, actually, it's in, in Acts eighteen. I mean, the Jews are trying to kill Paul. This culture and all of these crazy people doing the crazy things that Phil was just talking about. And Jesus says, "Don't be afraid. I got people." Oh, in, I, in I that love town. that line. Yeah. Yeah. And. He's already there. He's already prepared these hearts. He's this is that turnstile. This guy, that guy, that guy. And I'm going to run the Jews out of Rome. Claudius is going to send all the Jews. Mm-hmm. Priscilla and Aquila are going to be there. Right. They're tent makers. You're a tent maker. Why is there a market for tents? Because of the Isthmian Games that happened five miles east of ancient Corinth. Yep. I mean, and so all of these contextual things that we know from history. Is that it's the Greco-Roman world is so well documented. The Roman Empire, the reading and research that you can get, all this stuff's laying there, but we never really, you know, go take the time to look at it. Why is he talking about, you know, a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal? Why is he talking about if I give my body over to hardship, if I give everything I possess to the poor, the Stoic philosophy? Yeah, right. Yeah, so you you know in Acts seventeen you've got Epicurus and and Zeno and these Stoic philosophers, Epicurean philosophers. We read right over that. We don't know what the arena was. Well, what right. it was was one's just pure hedonism, 
this is all we got in life. Let's go get that pleasure. And Zeno's like, what are you talking about, man? Restraint is the key. And so I'm going to give all my possessions away, status humanitarianism, no sex, no food, no pleasure. I'm going to offer my body over to hardship. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. Right. Yeah. And so he's addressing all of these things going on. Well, I thought we could talk about your lesson yeah. So you started off talking about the heart, or yeah. that's where I tuned in. Okay. I wasn't sure. you yeah, were, that's, that's you, pretty where it began. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was uh, an interesting place to start. But, I mean, because really it comes down to God. You know, if, if you, it's like the verse, where do we read that where God, it's not about me knowing God, but uh, being known by God. Where was that? He, he judges the deep motives of the heart. I think that was I think it was eight, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think the first one where it says God searches all things, even the deep things of the heart. Uh, right. Yeah, of the heart, which I, which I like. Then he got to eight, and it said that about the that God knows me. I, we had talked about that last time we were here. So the language of the heart is all over the place. You talk about I mean, uh, Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two is sword, it shoves you in the corner, makes you choose, yeah. and it judges the thoughts and intentions of the human heart. We think mm-hmm. we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Eight, so. eight three is where I was looking. The, okay. But the man who loves God is known by God. Yeah. And uh we talked about just just having that one acknowledgement that God knows me. Uh-huh. Not that I, you know, where I live, I mean, he knows me. He knows what's going on deep yeah. down in my heart is a chilling moment right. yeah. for, for people. So I, I love how you started there. Yeah. And then you went well, into... you went into the three components of the heart. Talk about that a little bit, because you were talking about from, from a Jewish perspective, right? When The idea right. of how they saw the heart. So, so much... Because yeah. a lot of times people read the Bible and they're like, well, heart, I, I don't get it. I mean, exactly. the, the pumping well, thing in yeah, your chest. Yeah. Yeah. So and tell so, about the... You know, I mean, the, these ancient Israelite, you know, Bibles, uh, writers, the, the prophets... It, the In Hebrew, there's not really even a word for brain, and so they have these different conceptions throughout history of how the body works, you right, know, right. and so we all understand this this physical organ in our chest that sustains life, but in order to describe the idea of the mind, they always use the word lavav, which is a, a Hebrew word for, for heart. Yeah. And so like in Deuteronomy 8, you know in your heart, it's a place where you think and make connections, right. you understand in your heart. Uh, and so it's the intellectual processes. And then there's so much more, it's like you, know, you experience joy in your heart. Uh, to be happy in something, Hebrew is to be of good heart. Something salt water. Could not produce. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A, re- a reference yeah. to salt water being the origin of life. Which, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But you know, even exactly. in the but you come forward, Larry, even the modern vernacular, you know, if a person dies and and they donate their body to science, they take the brain out and they cut it into all yeah. these cross sections, and I mean, it just it it looks like what it looks like, but it does. How could you get? A love and a talent right. and giftedness and right. everything that comes what out of a human life. What in salt water dream that up? Yeah. So exactly. really, we see the results of what you were describing, yeah. even in the modern world. Yes. And it's still as big a mystery as ever as yeah. to how does this 
how does this you know physical piece that's, that's protected in a skull right. produce what it produces in love and in acknowledgement of other people right. and the ability to create? I mean, how does all that just happen? You know, and Dad's right. Either there wasn't a salt water department that just said, "Hey, right. this is it." So we we still, even after all these years later, have a hard time understanding the creativity of the heart, the how that works with right. intellect, all those things. Yeah, and I mean, just to understand that, you know, we this is what we're talking about. When I have a belief system that's not centered in truth, I have to defend it. Because I know the truth in my heart. And this right. is what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1. All people know of God. Right. Yeah. My favorite it's, verse you read, though, yeah. was, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Yeah, else. Matthew 6, 21. Well, yeah. I'm a treasure hunter. But yeah, really, exactly. <laughs> Somehow, treasure. Somehow, Jason, I always go yeah. back treasure hunting on this. Let's take a break. <laughs> so one of the things we love about Unashamed Podcast is uh, when we run up on people who sponsor the podcast that really share a lot of the same values that we do in what we do on the podcast. And uh, one of the groups that does that is the group called Good Ranchers. And uh, these guys came down uh, a few uh, weeks ago, um, had some steaks with them, some of their steaks, which were delicious, some of their chicken. And, you know, just sitting around talking with these guys, they're just really quality people. Um, most of them come out of ministry like us. And so they have a love for people and they really got into the whole thing because they just love, you know, serving people. So that was one of the other things they wanted to do. Plus another thing they wanted to do was try to really help American ranches and American farmers, because a lot of the stuff that's coming in here has come from other countries and it's just being processed here. And they're still calling it American beef, which is not true. So everything uh, the Good Ranchers does 100% born, raised, and harvested in the USA, which means you're going to get great quality, American quality, and you're going to get it at a good price. So go to goodranchers.com slash fill today, or use the code fill at checkout to get $20 off and free shipping. Great food, great product, goodranchers.com slash fill, or use the code fill at checkout to get $20 off and free shipping. It was God's idea. I know it was. That's how I got into I, this. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So, but I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Your motives and your yeah. deep down concerns and the things things that you think nobody knows but you. Right. God knows that. Yeah. It's and deeper it, than the hairs on your head. Yeah. And I mean, so that, that was his point. Yeah. So we we talked a lot about the temple of Aphrodite, obviously, because yeah. you got into this mm-hmm. yesterday, and I thought you did a really nice job of describing it. You said something that we had not discussed on here, I had not even heard before, about that that, that temple may or may not have been active right. by the time we get to the to this writing, right, yeah. in the first when, century. When Rome came in and destroyed Corinth or conquered Corinth, right. this is 146 B.C., right. most historians kind of agree. There's Not everybody, yeah. but, I mean, most historians. Because there was a hundred-year dormant period before it was exactly. repopulated. Yeah, right. before they built it again. Right. Uh, and so, and that was, so everything you see there was a Roman building, not, ancient Greek. Right. And so this is, this is the melding of two cultures. But, um, so everything, what that meant was, you know, all that was going on. We know that. Right. And that's the, you know, even the fact the temples there, there's these thousand temple prostitutes, male and female and all of that. 
was probably not happening on Acro Corinth anymore. This is 1,800 feet up on this mountain. It's a two-hour walk to walk from ancient Corinth all the way to the top of that. That means that all of that weirdness that was going on up there is now going down in the streets of the city. Yeah, yeah. And so they've got all of these. They've identified like eight of these pagan worship temples, and Dionysus is one of those. And and uh, and that's in addition to the Jewish synagogue where we see Paul get drug out of in Acts 18 and brought before Gallio the proconsul. Right. So I mean, there's just so many details throughout Acts and First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. And the relationship that Paul had and the fact that we we step into the conversation almost into a third leg of that because he's already written them once. Yeah. We don't have that letter. Right. And so they've written him back. We don't have uh, that, that letter. Yeah. And so it's like listening to one half of the, you know, com- We talked about that on the podcast that we didn't have yeah. the questions. Right. You know, it's really hard to well, understand sometimes the answers right. when you don't know what the questions right. were to but, begin with. Uh, like I pointed so. out yesterday, when you look at the context, you can see yeah. not what the questions are, but where they're coming from right. out of these different Greek philosophical schools of thought. Right. Exactly. And you're like, that's exactly what he's talking well, about. Well, I used your line last night because I was telling Willie uh, – our other brother, how how good it was last night. But and Willie started asking me practical questions. Oh yeah, and I said, "Nope, he made that point. You're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> That's it. Go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and then let's bad talk." Bad theology like, okay, produces okay. bad questions. But I like that point you made about people go to First Corinthians seven like they're trying to make a hundred on a test score right. and have all these difficult questions and try right. to put them into a box. Right, so, and that's the way. That's the mistake that we make with First and Second Corinthians is that it is not a theological dissertation. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was a good point. Yeah. Okay, and we try to make it be that right. because we get we draw so much theology out of this, but right. it's not it's not like Hebrews. Hebrews is a you know is a thesis, and even know? Romans to a certain yeah, extent is exactly. the exact same way. But this is not like that. This is discipleship in action. This is applied theology. Yeah, and so we we think that maybe he's contradicting himself here in chapter 7, right. telling widows and virgins they should not marry. And then he's telling you know Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 that the widows in Ephesus should marry. Right. You know? And right. so why, what's up with that? Because what's going on in Corinth is not what's going on in Ephesus. Yeah, you made a point yesterday, which was so strong to that point. Is you said context matters, and after that, context yeah. matters. After that, context. Yeah. If you don't read the Bible and understand the context of where it was written and why, right. then you will start crossing over and start making some serious mistakes. Well, that's the thing. You know, we talk about exegesis and hermeneutics. You right. know, when when we're talking about studying Bible, what it what it meant to them and what it means to me. We right. we never. Read the Bible. We're always reading the Bible. How is this all about me? How does it affect me? That's a total hermeneutical you know, approach. Well, the only control that that has is context. It can't mean something to me that it never meant to them. Right. And yeah. so it's, I, without that control, I can make these verses mean anything that I want. Right. Yeah. We see that every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Yeah. That's why we got... How many different groups? Yeah. So what people do is they'll rip a verse, a verse, totally out of its context. They'll build a theology 
on their idea of what that means. Then they'll go look for other verses that seem to support that idea, and then they apply it universally, and you end up asking the wrong questions of the text, and that leads to bad theology. And when a belief system begins in bad theology, it's only going one place, and that's from bad to worse. Right. Yeah. I think that's why he tried his best to bring it all together by the time you get to 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah. I just want to remind you of something here now. Yeah. Oh, sit down here. You know, well, yeah, it was I back to the, of the gospel I preached to back you. Back to the base, basic. What you received, what you're standing on. This is what saves you. Right. If you hold firmly to what I told you, or you believed in vain, you know, what, I, what I've told you, as the scriptures say, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised from the dead. He, he just brings it down to that. Right. I think that's maybe the... The, the, the basic wrap-up of what the whole thing's about. It is. And Hang on, it. let's take our, our last break. Go ahead. Throughout, if you miss that, yeah. it wouldn't make any difference what kind of theology you have if well, you miss that, that. That's what he's doing is bringing you back to the point, the heart of the matter yep. you know, that we're talking about, is that it, if you, you stop and, and Paul says, therefore... It, I've always heard that said, when you see a therefore, you need to stop and ask why, what it's there for. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. He's, he, is, he is building a case, and now he's come to a conclusion. We right. jump to the conclusion. Yep. And the thing about Pauline literature, and you mentioned Peter, Second Peter 3.16, is that Paul writes the same way in all his letters. Peter just tells us. And some of his things are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do with all the scriptures to their own destruction. Mm-hmm. And so it's a mistreatment of scripture. It's a mishandling of God's word. And so you always have to go back to what what is the context? Why is he telling me this? And now he's come to this point. We go through that mud hole, yep. and now we understand we've got the mud on us. Now we understand where we're going from here, why we need to be clean and stay out of the mud hole. I think, yeah, and I think well, the, the power, the underlying power of all that is these guys. You have Peter over there elaborating on the final days and how the earth and it's all the elements will be, uh, let's see, uh, everything in it will be destroyed, earth and everything in it will be laid bare. He's talking about the final days. You have a guy, and I've, since I've commercial fished in my life, he's the, the only job I know that he had was catching fish out there. You take that kind of mind, mm-hmm. just discussing these kind of matters, right. you better pay attention because where in the world would a ordinary unschooled man right. come up with that? Yeah. About like a firefighter from Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I'm just saying. I love it when they say these are ordinary unschooled men. And the, oh, yeah. if you look it's at the Latin... my favorite verses in the Bible. The Latin yeah. Vulgate, it, it's like idiote. It's like these are common idiots. Is yeah, what they you are, you know. Oh, so, yeah, he gets that. that from each other. Oh God, they used to you know, be a firefighter in Oklahoma. There. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't this, know how many times Larry uh, said in the sermon yesterday, "I'm an idiot." It, don't listen to me. I'm an <laughs> idiot. Listen to Jesus. But, but I like that because yeah. it's humbling. But, uh, but but Paul said that in First Corinthians two four. He said, "My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, right. but a demonstration of the Spirit's power." Right. And he just said. I didn't come to you in elegant or superior wisdom. I mean, he's right. just 
basically saying I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. I have the Holy Spirit of God, and I know who Jesus is. Same I, thing in, in Acts 2. Here's Peter on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. And he's just quoting the prophet Joel verbatim. And then yeah. he is able to articulate who Jesus is, why he came, why he died, why he res resurrected, and what is happening now. He had not been up all night studying before he gave that speech. Yeah. <laughs> He, yeah, had, he had been schooled somehow. Exactly. But he, and he was he way was, more he, than ordinary. Right. He was introducing Jesus. I mean, it's right. like, I don't have to go take a course on how to introduce my wife at a get-together. Yeah. I got it. I know her. Yeah. And I think that's where what the difference is, uh, you know, where you're trying to explain something, where people are meeting in buildings with these various different groups and trying to get all the answers right instead of, oh, we're a reflection of a real living being. Right. That's a lot more complex than we are, but became simple in a man, Jesus right. on the earth. Here we go. And I think that's just what we, we do. Just, we under underplay what the Spirit is doing in us when we have the courage to stand up and speak the name of Jesus. Very much oh, so. Okay, and so here's the deal. This happens all the time to me in Athens. Again, I'm an idiot. I go over and sit down. I open a Bible. There's 30 guys from Afghanistan and Iran, never seen a Bible, never held one. Uh, and so I put a Bible, a Farsi Bible, in their hands, and the first thing they do is look over their shoulder because to see who's coming through the door, because they can go to jail for 10 years for even possessing one of these. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and so they open this, and they start reading this, and they jump right in the middle of one of the mud holes. It's like, what about this? Women are supposed to wear you know, something over their head, and this right. is First Corinthians right. 11. That's why well, I've had to go learn this stuff. But they're I'll, asking me questions that I don't have answers to, and, and, and I'm like, Jesus, if you don't show up, I got nothing right. at all. Well, and I this wonder. is Peter in Acts, but here's my testimony. In the thousands of times that I have done that, he has never left me hanging one yeah. time. Yeah, He's given so. me words that I needed. He's led me to scriptures I barely even knew that were there. He's awesome. always there, and it, it had that, nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what he, you know, the, it even says, don't worry. I'm going to give yeah. you words when you need them. Right. Well, I wanted to, because your last five minutes, yeah. what, I mean, people can go back and listen to it, but I was wanting to somehow get there. Because basically what you, you went through the history, and you've, you've taken tours. You took us. I mean, when we were there, we were half mission-minded, and it was half teaching because you would take us to the different sites, and you had all this knowledge that, yeah. I mean, you weren't even reading from anything. You, you guess, got there, and I said, it, I'm going to treat you like students. I don't know what else to do. Oh, yeah, and you, you were, were okay. You were just pontificating yeah. after well, pontification. It's a spew. I <laughs> yeah. can't. But, well, my, yeah. my subconscious was getting it. But I was trying to say. You're saying that about it, but Jason and I were soaking it up. Did you yeah. sit, notice me on the front row with my Oh, you were writing. You were I writing, mean, yeah. One of the biggest joys for me, and I don't get to do this very often anymore because I'm usually up front, Yeah, is to be able to sit at the feet of someone else teaching context in God's Word and soaking it up. So yeah. yesterday well, was a true joy. I wanted oh. to get to the last five minutes. I mean, how when you made the transition for the practical application, because I thought it was real inspiring, especially for the women. Yeah. So how did you, where where, where did you launch from there? What's, uh, what is first, what is first of Corinthians 7 really about? Right. Here yep. it is. 
yeah. and I preached that in four minutes. Yeah. That's and, what I was after. So I give us know. the nuts and bolts of that because I thought it was truly inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And I, you know, I felt it in me. I, I wrote it I, down. It's Christ first, purity, and the character of the heart. That pretty was, much. That was your, yeah, the wow. essence of okay. what you Okay, I, I didn't even know that. So Christ I said, <laughs> feels really good. Uh, the character, uh, and what was it? And character of the heart, purity, and Christ first. Yeah. So ultimately, at the end of it, yeah, your, your rally I just, was it, right. I, I, I just, it was so, uh, there was, Robert mentioned this. He's like, there was a, a switch. That oh, you had a switch. Well, it caused the audience to erupt and uh, uh, applause. I rolled down the truck. Uh, my window went, whoa. I, I, <laughs> People, you know, I hate all of this historical just you know evil yeah. garbage you got to get through it and when i'm done with that man now i get to talk about jesus right yeah and that i don't you know you just it that is what i want to do that's but i have to go through that to get there and but, so but what's really what going pre- on in this appreciate chapter about your ministry yeah. is that you teach jesus because he saves yeah and he changes destiny and life yeah but then you're set up mission wise, but then you have a school there where you yeah. teach these guys right. the context of the Bible. Because if you don't, as they go forward then and disciple others, they're, I mean, they got Jesus, which is the most important right. thing. But then if you're going to teach out of this book, you, you got to know. know the context exactly. or else you can make these mean any, anything you want to mean. Right. And this is a, you know, Kathy brought this up yesterday afternoon. She said, that's exactly how you teach a class. You do all of that, and then it's about Jesus. That's right. where we go. And that's the, you know, discipleship is what this is. And that I always say the discipleship happens really in the teaching, right. but it, it, it ends there. We always end at Jesus. That's the only place we're going. We just got to get through this and have some, some controls in how we read Scripture to understand it. Because the things that, that people that come out of Islam are struggling with are chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 11, chapter 14. And that's the only reason I've been shoved in a corner. To All right, so I want to talk about that more. So we've got, Laird, since the last time you were on, we have a segment we call Unashamed Overtime. Okay. So it, it's it's on it's blazetv.com slash unashamed where people go to get it. And wow. if you subscribe, you get this extra bonus. So I want to talk about, to me, what's going to help us when we get to 11 and 14. Yeah. By a point you made about the role of women right. in Corinth and in Greek culture that we didn't have time to get to here. So uh, if you go to wfrchurch.org, you can watch this sermon. We highly encourage you to do it. It's no, you must. You got you it. Must. So <laughs> this is really going to help this yeah. podcast. Even make yeah. even be better. I mean, for I'm you. not easily impressed, mainly because I got ADD. <laughs> but I listened to the whole thing, and I it hit me. I'll say this before we go to overtime. It hit me that I was like, "Yes, you brought many people to Jesus, and God used you over there." But at the same time, only a man who who bathed himself in the culture and the history would have come up with that platform. To then understand First Corinthians, there's a lot of people around here yeah. that have a terrible view of women or you know right. miraculous gifts, and based on their study of First Corinthians, and I'm like, here it is. So I'm a meant- firefighter, spirit led from Oklahoma. <laughs> Awesome. So I mentioned OneKingdom.org. That's a place they can see what you're doing with us. And then okay. what's your website where if they uh, want to see your... org. All right. Excellent. So check... Put that at the bottom. Of yeah, the... yeah. Check that out. 
Uh, we'll be back for those of you that are subscribed for a little bit of more with Larry Bowles. Thank you, Larry. Thank for you. Today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.